Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Baby JTV. It's not Big Baby JTV. I always get this confused. It's the Big Broadcast with your host, Big Baby J. That's me. Big Baby J TV is my YouTube channel. That's where I'm going to be doing the highlight of the vlog, man. Yes, the vlog of Escapade 2022. Three-day massive, absolutely massive festival within Ottawa. And that's what we're going to start talking about, man. We're going to talk about Escapade 2022. Now, look, this is the first Escapade I've been to since 2018, Oh, my mistake. Yeah, I think I, yeah, it was, yeah, it's just 2018. I've been to three escapades. I've been to escapade in 2017, 2018, and now 2020. Of course, the pandemic, Panini, whatever. There was escapade last year, but I didn't go. I heard it was kind of meh, you know what I'm saying? But this year's escapade was absolutely fantastic, and I had a great, 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 great time. Great, great, great time. Uh, now, I'm just going to start this off by saying, man, we need more black people to escapade, man. I don't know. I don't check the analytics of who uh, actually listens to this podcast, right? I don't have them powers yet. Uh, but I'm telling you all this. We need more black folks. If you are a black individual, consider. Don't even consider. Actually, get your bum to escapade. Okay, let's start with that. Get your bum to escapade. Right, it was such a great experience. Now, look, I'm just gonna start this off by saying I'm not a big EDM guy. Okay, what do I mean by that? I'm not the person who's gonna tell you the intricacies and details of Don Diablo and the difference between deep house and tech house and and, and heavy bass and all. No, man, no. <laughs> There's a lot of the DJs where I went to see. I had no idea who they were. I've never heard their music ever before. And some who I had heard a little bit of their music. You know what I'm saying? Big thing. Big thing right here is I wanted I wanted to just go for the experience and try something new. Now, look. Have I been to other raves and EDM events? Absolutely. Right? But have I went alone with specifically no real plan in motion? One time, and that was Riverside. Riverside, I went in October of last year, 2021. One of the best festivals I've ever been to, right? And I want to just encourage people to be more ready and willing to go and do things alone. Let me tell you why. Because a lot of people can drag you down. Let's say you had a crew of 15 people, right? Right? One person's late, another person's late. Another. Then now you're all late. One person is drunk and messed up. Down now, they're ruining the flow of everybody. But if you're on your ones, or maybe you have maybe one other person, it helps go smoother and quicker. Now let me. Oh my god! That's how you know I'm tired from the festival, man. <laughs> yeah, I might have to edit that yawn out. Maybe you might keep it to keep the authenticity, but. Man, oh man, oh man! Escapade was such a good time. So let me break it down, right? So. On Friday, right, they they was, well, the entire festival had three stages, which I think was genius. There was a main stage, which was usually the most popular DJs, right? There was a stadium stage, which was on the field of uh, TD Place, Lansdowne Park. That's where it was, right? And there was a house stage, which was like a Dillion Pavilion or whatever. It was basically that church-looking building. That's in Lansdowne Park or TD Place, whatever they want to call it now, right? Now, 
Let me break it down like this. Let me break it down like this. On the first night, which was Friday on the 24th, right? The closer was, on the main stage, the closer was Elenium. Uh, right before the closer was Tiesto, and then there was Nicky Romero and those things. Now, let me start off by saying Nicky Romero killed it. Played some really, really interesting mixes, a little bit of hip-hop. I, I think he had to teach me how to Dougie at some point. I was like, God damn, let's go. <laughs> then Tiesto came through, killed it, killed it. At that point, I think I actually lost my goddamn sunglasses and my selfie stick. I was very cheesed. Then they had Elenium. Elenium did his thing. Absolutely smashed it. I mean, with Elenium, you would expect, oh, he's going to play that song. Uh, no, man. The man went off. Now, look, I was deciding between Elenium and Dead Mouse because Dead Mouse was on the stadium stage, right? Which was the more. Uh, you know, bass, heavy bass type stage. I wanted to go to him, but I didn't. I went to Elenium, had a great time. But I heard Dead Mouse killed it. There was Ganja White Knight. Apparently, he killed it as well. I wish I was there. But I heard, surprisingly for me, AT Aliens, AT Lines, or whatever you want to call it, they were really good. And they even hosted an after party. And I was like, damn, that's what's up. That's what's up. Now, I didn't get to make it to the, the trance stages or the house stages during that night, the Friday night, but I had a fantastic time. Y'all will see in the vlog that I'll be releasing. Go to Big Baby JTV on YouTube. Thank you again, guys, for supporting the podcast and the YouTube. Let's go to day number two, right? Which I think personally was the best day. I think day number two was the best day. For this festival. Now the cool thing is, as this was Escapade's first time doing a three-day festival, tickets were three hundred and fifty dollars. Insane, insane amount of money. But it depends on the value. Now look, this festival sold out within the first three days. It was insane. But this had such an insane lineup that it almost, not even almost, it literally um, made sense for it to be this expensive. Now, would I make it lower? Absolutely. <laughs> would I make uh, some of the lineup issues a bit smaller? Yes, because the lineups were insane. But if we only had two days of this festival, I think it would be worth its value. Now, let me tell you something about the second day Saturday, right? The closer for the main stage was DJ Snake, which I, I look back, I don't think he was the best, man. <laughs> I don't think he was close to being the best. I saw him. He was good, but he wasn't the best. Cascade before him killed his set. Alan Walker before Cascade killed his set. Darrow, Darrow, Darrow killed his set. Played a little hip-hop, too. I was like, God damn. Cat Dealers played. I didn't. Let me tell you something, man. A lot of these people, I don't even know, bro. I, I've never heard of Daryl. I've never heard of Cat Dealers. I've never heard of Cascade. But they killed it at the main stage. I would argue they were better than DJ Snake. No cap. No kizzy. You know what I mean? And then you had the, the more uh, stadium stage, which was basically Ophelia record stage. Uh, that's what they named it for the night because the people who were playing there are part of records called Ophelia Records. Seven Lions closed it out. I wish I went because Seven Lions killed it. He went off. He played actually a little bit earlier. Uh, Seven Lions back-to-back with Kill the Noise. Kill the Noise was on some ish. Killed it. 
And then we had some local talent that played earlier. Uh, Chef Nier and uh, Nice Nikop Tope or something like that. They, they played back-to-back from 1.30 to 2.30. You know, some local guys from OT killed it, killed it, killed it. I wasn't there to see it. They showed up around 4 or 5, but they did really, really well. And on the house stage, you had Duke Dumont closing out, uh, you know what I'm saying, the house stage. He was really, really good. Uh, but for me, the guy I was really excited about and the one who I really loved to set, I think uh, for me personally, bro, I think his set was, in my personal opinion, oh, next to Excision, he, he had my favorite set, Gordo, 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 man, he was the third last uh, performer on the house stage, killed that ish, man, killed it, I loved Gordo. Uh, it was big. It was neck and neck between him and Excision, but I think Excision won in my point of view. Excision went off, and that leads to the last day, Sunday. Now look, Sunday was a little hectic because I had to take care of my bro. He wasn't feeling too well, but and also I was kind of tired from the last two days, so it was fatigue uh, stepping in. But the last day was popping too. You know what I'm saying? For me, who I liked, I liked Dom Diablo uh, on the main stage. He did an insane amount of work. Didn't really watch Above and Beyond that much. And I didn't really watch much of Martin Garrix. I saw him at the end. I've, I've already seen uh, Martin Garrix perform before, I think, at Il Sonic. And he's really, really good, really, really talented. But it was kind of soft for me. When I say soft, I mean like, uh, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, no offense to him. He did his thing on the stadium stage, as I already talked about. My favorite performer for the entire weekend was Excision. Heavy bass. He went crazy, bro. Crazy. It felt it felt insane, man. It was like I was in a movie. It was like, oh, bro. It was insane. And I'm not one of those bass heads or whatever they want to call it. But, like, what the hell? It was, it, it was absolute insanity. It was to the point where after I got home, I started listening to another two-hour set by him. I just got home and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to listen to Excision for two hours. Insanity. The guy before him was Slander. I never heard of this dude. Didn't even hear his music. Uh, I was actually, uh, went to the house stage during this uh, this time, like between seven and nine, whatever, to listen to Dom Dollar in the house stage. He killed it. Johnny John Summit was before him. Not that good. Joel Corey, he was really, really good too, man. So... Yeah, you know, Sunday presented like some ups and downs, but if you're a big uh, bass fan, oh my god, it was such a treat to see Excision kill it on the last set. Now, for me, how would I rank the performers? Now, look, for me personally, I got Excision number one, got Gordo number two, and um, damn, damn, damn. And then I would say either Diero. Didioro or Alan Walker. I really, really like both of them. Um, or even Elenium. Elenium really surprised me. I would say Elenium number three. Uh, we can maybe take... Mm, it, it's neck and neck for number three between Alan Walker and Elenium. Because they did really, really good. Now look. The costumes, people were looking good. People were looking creative. I like that about rave culture, EDM culture, is that it really pushes a creative side to things, right? People are not all... Now, look, is does it a drug-infused culture? Yes, it is, right? Is it, you know, 
kind of dangerous? Yes, because literally one person overdosed and died. Yes, one person overdosed and died. But relatively speaking, it's going to sound maybe cruel or not nice, but there were 20,000 people there in attendance. One person unfortunately passed away, and I think that's not that's not bad. You know what I mean? Well, it's bad that somebody passed away, but at the same time, relatively speaking to the amount of people, and the amount of people were probably on drugs, I think that's not that bad. Now, look, I like the creativity. I love the music, the culture. People are nice. People are not into some weird-ish. Uh, I really like that. I really, really like that about uh, Escapade. Now, look, let's have some black folks pull up, man. <laughs> let's have some black folks pull up, man. Damn. Um, you know, overall, man, great experience. Uh I think this is one of the most popular festivals in Ottawa. It must be. It's probably bigger than Blues Fest, on God. Uh, you know, you had a ton of people from Toronto, especially Montreal. A lot. Bro, it felt, at a certain point, it felt like like half of the place was Quebecers, man. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was interesting to see. But, yo, it is what it is. I really enjoyed the festival. Um, improvements, things to do. I, I would say maybe make... I don't know. I don't know about, you know, the logistics of it, but having set times start so early because some of the earliest set times were at like 1 p.m. The doors open at 1 p.m. I don't even think people were there at 1 p.m. People started to hop in, including myself, between 4 and 6 p.m. That's what I noticed. <laughs> That's what I noticed. People were hopping in between 4 and 6 p.m. Now, look, is it just because, you know, the bigger artists played around then? Obviously, that's the biggest thing. But... Also, at the same time, imagine you're a DJ and you're playing at 3 p.m. with five people in the crowd. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, no, that's, I don't know. I don't know about all that, right? Another thing, the main stage had audio issues, meaning it wasn't as, not as loud, but it wasn't as popping. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't as clear. And then you go to the stadium stage, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You go to the house stages. Oh, my God, this is amazing, right? So, audio issues were a problem. Um, now, other than that, I think I think it was great, man. For a sold-out event, for that many logistics, that many staff, that many people around. Now, I'm cheesed that I lost my selfie stick. That really cheesed me. Cost me about 40 bones. But y'all will see that on the blog. I'm cheesed that I lost my sunglasses. Cost about 15. I'm cheesed about that, but... It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, that's how it goes. That's how it goes, man. That was my escapade experience, y'all. You know what I mean? Um, I wanted to base most of the podcast on this. Um, let's talk about some other th- other topics, other trending topics. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics of Roe versus Wade. So, uh, you know, don't, don't even get me started on that. That's for another time. That's for another topic. It is what it is, right? Uh, I just think that, you know, Ottawa culture is slowly changing, especially in the summer, right? So, I, 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 you know, at the big broadcast, I like to talk about Ottawa, right? And I've been neglecting OT for a bit, you know what I mean? But I think the the culture is changing, especially in, uh, you know, when it comes to the summer, man. So, what I mean by that, I think that so many things are happening in Ottawa right now that Ottawa actually has a culture now. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, let me tell you something, man. Relatively speaking, Ottawa is a young city, bro. 
And Nepean joined Ottawa in like 2001. Okay? Like, uh, you know, if you look how many houses are being built in Nepean, Navin, and all these things, Ottawa is relatively a young city, bro. You know what I mean? Now, are there tons of neighborhoods? Yes. There are tons of people? Yes. A lot of people have lived here for years? Yes. But it wasn't even as diverse as it is now. Like, if you go back 10, 15 years ago, it was definitely not the same. Right? So, we're an evolving city. We're starting to gain culture. We're starting to have more prominent festivals. There was even the Cranium Festival that happened this weekend. I wish I came to it, but it was uh, it was popping from what I heard from reports, right? Ultimately, ultimately, we're starting to gain culture, right? We're starting to get an identity. You know, there's different things coming and popping up. The BPM studio uh, was uh, just opened last weekend. They had their grand op- I mean, this weekend, their grand opening. You have a ton of artists, a ton of, you know, musicians, a ton of dancers, painters, and all these things that ultimately create what we call culture, community, diversity, you know what I'm saying? Identity. All these words ultimately give Ottawa some kind of flavor. Now, look, if you think about Montreal, you think about Toronto, you think about Vancouver, you even think about Edmonton, these places have their own culture. Real talk. Real talk. So, what am I getting to? I'm getting to the fact that OT is not just a boring government city. Are we boring? Yes. Are we a government city? Yes. But we're not just that. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I've been. I got feedback from people. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, Ottawa's boring. Ottawa's this." Uh, maybe because your ass is boring. Maybe because you don't do nothing. Maybe because oh, after you finish work, all you do is lay on the couch and watch your 17th episode of Friends because you're a boring loser, Katie. <laughs> all you do is go play ODR with your random ass loser friends from high school smoking the same trees y'all used to smoke from time, Jason. <laughs> or maybe you're just going to go play ball with your niggas who are achieving nothing and five of them just went to jail, Daquan. See, people want to blame all their problems on everything else but themselves. They want to blame everything else on and everybody but themselves. If you think Ottawa is a boring city, for one, you can do one great thing, which is move, because you're the probably the boring one. Or you can do number two, make the best out of any situation. Turn lemons into lemonades. This weekend, there were three major festivals, and you didn't go to none of them. You didn't go to Escapade. You didn't go to Cranium Festival. You definitely did not go to the Jazz Festival because your old ass would probably not be listening to this podcast. And I am cussing today, and I don't like cussing like that, but I will cuss like that because you guys deserve it. You guys who say that Ottawa is boring can shut this podcast off because that means you're boring. But before you shut it off, give it five stars. (laughs) Give my podcast five stars, man. I'm trying to gain this clout, okay? I'm trying to get this clout, baby. I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, I'm a big proponent of doing things by yourself, right? And I'm taking this note for myself, you know what I'm saying, that I need to work on getting teams and delegating tasks, right? So this is just a little call. If anybody wants to support and help grow this podcast, I have a slot specifically for an assistant. If anybody's down to help build the brand, 
holla at me, holla, holla, holla. It will be volunteer based uh, at first, and then uh, you know payment options will be presented. All right, I'm just gonna start it off by saying that. Okay, number two, man. Well, not number two, number three in a sense. Sports, 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 man. Sports, 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 man. Um, Deshaun Watson situation, right? So, this is a kind of a touchy subject, but we're going to discuss it. We're going to discuss it. So, Deshaun Watson was essential. If y'all don't know the news, Deshaun Watson is a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns NFL football team that, uh, you know, just got picked up, I think, a few months ago with a guaranteed $230 million contract, the first of its kind. And especially in the NFL, having guaranteed money is something extremely rare. But quarterbacks usually have guaranteed money. The difference with Deshaun Watson contract is he's the first quarterback to have be guaranteed that amount of money. Either he gets on the field or not. Now, look, what's going on with this situation? Deshaun Watson is accused by about 25 or 26 massage therapists for uh, assaulting them, basically sexual assault and misconduct, right? And uh, he's maintained his innocence. He's not been criminally charged. Let's start off with this. Criminally charging somebody is saying, A, we are going to take this to the courts. They're going to evaluate this, right? We're going to criminally charge him. And that goes with jail time. Let's start off with this. It goes with jail time and it goes with full. Usually, when somebody's found guilty of any sexual-related crime in criminal court, they're guilty of what they did according to a jury and the court of law, right? The rule of law. That's how the law goes, right? Now, he was not found criminally charged for anything. So, in the eyes of the law, he's an innocent man, right? That is criminal law. Now, there's something called that's criminal court sorry there's something called civil court now civil court is usually where you get a lot of family courts like uh, divorce settlements uh child custody hearings uh suing somebody mm. in this situation out of those 25 or 26 women um they are going to the civil court because they didn't get anything in the criminal court meaning he didn't go to jail he actually had a trial. They found the AA. He's innocent. He's been innocent in the face of the criminal law. He's not going to go to jail, and he's found innocent for that. But in the civil law, right, in the civil courts, he is being sued by these 25, 26 women. Now, look, usually what happens in civil court is that there are things called punitive damages, meaning... People trying to get paid. <laughs> let's start off with that. People trying to get paid. Let's say, let's say you're at work and you break, you fall down, you break your back. You sue your employer for, you know, having a dangerous workplace. And your employer usually will lose. You know what I'm saying? And then they will have to pay you some kind of money, compensation for your physical, emotional, and, you know, whatever, earning potential damages. All these things together. Right? Now, sexual assault cases are really, really hard to prove in a criminal court because it's going to be he say, she say, right? And then you have to have basically you're viewing this man or woman's character, right? That's what's on trial, really. It's not even really about the assault at that point. You know what I mean? So for for me, I'm just going to start off by saying this. If 20... 
five to 26 women were willing to take it all the way to court about you being physical, uh, assaulting them or any type of way, bro, you are not a good guy. Now, look, could they all be lying? Yes, very possible. Yes. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you're a multi-million dollar quarterback. They're incentivized to lie so that they can get the back. You know what I'm saying? But to have all them, them accusers come out, that is a bad look. Not only for Deshaun Watson, who's a great quarterback. You know what I'm saying? But he's also a dude who used to have a clean image, who used to be seen as a classy, responsible, you know, man, young man. Right? Now... You have ruined your reputation in the league. Now, do you still have the talent? Absolutely. Deshaun Watson is, when he's playing, he's a top five quarterback in the league. He's, he's not, his last season was a top five caliber quarterback in the league, even top three, if you're really being honest, keeping it a buck. You know what I'm saying? Because he was just on a, such a trash team called the Houston Texans. Now, the issue is the Houston Texans, they're involved in this. They're involved in this. How? Because as soon as Deshaun Watson wanted to uh, leave the Houston Texans because they're a dumpster fire piece of trash organization, um, these allegations started coming out. He started getting these allegations less than a week after he demanded a trade from the Houston Texans. Right? Now, keep in mind that the owner of the Houston Texans is neighbors with the lawyer, Tony Busby, who is supporting this women in lawsuit. Now, let me tell you something about Tony Busby. Uh, Tony Busby in Houston is known definitely as an ambulance chaser lawyer. What is an ambulance chaser lawyer? An ambulance chaser lawyer is a lawyer who waits and, and looks for uh, uh, issues where people, looks for situations where people get hurt and this lawyer helps to hurt people to sue an establishment like your workplace, like McDonald's, like the city of St. Louis, Missouri. Ben Crump, Google him. Hmm. Mm hmm. Ben Crump, Google him. So these are lawyers who are very crook, crooked, who don't want to have solutions. They want the bag. What do I mean by that? So these 25 to 26 women, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Busby approached them and said, hey, guys, Deshaun Watson did this to you. We can make a lot of money. We can make he's not he didn't say it directly like this, but he probably thought we can make a lot of money off Deshaun Watson, a big superstar quarterback in the league and get some quote unquote justice. Right. Right. Now, I think that Houston Texans knew about this all along and had Tony Busby in their pocket, ready to call him as soon as Deshaun Watson wanted to go. That's my theory. Was Deshaun Watson a creep, a weirdo, an assaulter? I'm going to probably say yes. Yeah, yeah, he probably was, right? But I think maybe he was that to a minority of women. Now, look, if it's only one woman, that's terrible. Even one woman, that's terrible. You know what I'm saying? Disgusting is wrong. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I think that the Houston Texans, I don't even think, I know that they were complicit in this because there's reports coming from the New York Times that the Houston Rockets knew that Deshaun Watson liked to go on Instagram and ask for massages from strange women who were not even really therapists. 
bro, if you want pum pum that bad, just go hire prostitutes. Just go to any strip club in the world and pay them $500. They're going to do everything you want and more. Matter of fact, scratch that, $250. <laughs> Matter of fact, scratch that, we, they'll do it for 100 somewhere. <laughs> Those are just the facts, man. This economy's bad. Grass prices up. They might do it for fifty. <laughs> no kizzy, you know what I'm saying? But but you know that that's what's going on. And Deshaun Watson's ignorance and dumb head made him decide. I'm not gonna think with the head upstairs. I'm gonna think with the head downstairs, and I'm just gonna randomly message women and try to put them in uncomfortable situations where they have to decide: Will I suck off this guy? Right now, look, as men, we have to be very, very clear with our intentions with women. Very, very clear. Okay. And we have to be very, very okay and ready to handle rejection as pure grown men. Okay. This is super important. Whichever males are listening to this part of the podcast, please take note of this. Handling rejection is super super important to being a man now do you do we have to always be happy with rejection no do we always have to expect rejection absolutely not but do we have to handle it like grown men yes if a woman doesn't want to do something anything it is she just needs to say no once and then you keep it pushing you keep it pushing and let me tell you something about this quote-unquote rejection it's not a rejection man the way you have to frame it is she made her decision and you just move on to a woman who's going to make a decision that you like and you both can have fun together in a sexual way. I think Deshaun Watson had issues with rejection, especially because he is a superstar quarterback who is not used to rejection in any other facet of his life. He was super athlete. You know I mean, superstar pl- football player, celebrity. He's not used to hearing no. Okay. He's not used to hearing no. It's something that is foreign to him. Is that an excuse? No, but it's probably a reason, right? Now, what happened recently in the story that's significant? The most recent developments is that 20 of these possible, 25, 26 women, uh, have withdrawn their lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, meaning they've been already paid off. They settled with uh, Deshaun Watson. Now, why did this happen in the past week or so? I'll tell you why. Because the NFL is still investigating this situation, which is, let's start off very dumb, because the NFL is a private corporation, and why would they really be investigating this when the police have already investigated this and found that most of the cases are not necessarily criminal in nature, right? Why are they the ones who can fully punish a guy? But hey, maybe... Because of, you know, the morality clause and contracts and reputations and marketing, they want to get this out of the paint. So the NFL is investigating the situation so that they can have a punishment for Deshaun Watson. Now, look, what's happening to Deshaun Watson is he's getting double punishment, not only from the courts, but he's also going to get a punishment from his employer. Right. Which is the NFL. Now, there's been a lot of rumors saying that it'll be a one-year suspension. There's some rumors saying that it'll be an indefinite suspension, meaning they will not have a definite time, but he's suspended until time being. Um, my guess is it's going to be a year. 
And then my guess is he's going to appeal it through the NFL uh, PA, Players Association, which is a terrible association uh, that uh, is really bad. But, you know, he's going to appeal it with the NFL PA, and he's probably going to land with an eight-game suspension. Why do I say eight games? Because that's half of what used to be a 16-game season, now it's 17 games. But I would say between eight to nine games, he's going to be suspended, right? I think that the year that he didn't play last year was also like a mini suspension because they were investigating him. He was in the courts, right? I think that him settling within the past week, right, with about 20 of the 26 women is a sign that he's talking to the NFL, right? And the NFL doesn't want active civil suits, doesn't want any loose ends, doesn't want their product, which is the uh, games, the NFL, to be tarnished. Because if y'all look at the Cleveland Browns, they're actually a good roster. There's They're a very strong roster. The coach is good. The roster is good. The GM, he, I don't know, he's been kind of suspect by getting Deshaun Watson and not fixing these loose ends. But for the most part, the GM is pretty good. He's been acquiring a lot of free uh, a lot of good talent through the draft and he's securing guys to play on for the future like the Denzel Ward contract securing him for the future I think that the Cleveland Browns if managed correctly if Deshaun Watson is in full Deshaun Watson fire mode they have a they're a contender fam they, they can absolutely win a Super Bowl Yes, they can do what the uh, Cincinnati Bengals did last year. They can go on a run, for real, for real, right? Now, if we look at the president, you know what I'm saying? Um, ben Roethlisberger, he literally raped a woman. I think he raped two women, you know what I mean? Literally, and he got like a six-game suspension. It's, it's proven in court. Google it. It's proven. Pathetic, two six game suspension. Um, now, I think Ezekiel Elliott was, uh, you know, a, a, I think he was actually fully convicted for assaulting a woman, sexually assaulting a woman. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Google it. Six game suspension, right? Now, of all these accusations going against Deshaun uh, Watson. Uh, none of them have been fully proven in a criminal or civil court. They're just accusations. Now, look, if you 25 to 26 women say one thing about you, it's probably true, cousin. <laughs> it's probably true. Now, look, in the court of public opinion, this man is in the ground. He's dirt. He's dirt. I would not feel comfortable with him around my sisters or my or, or, or women I love or care for. F no. <laughs> F no. This guy's a weirdo. But. We got to go by the letter of law. Let's go with the law. Let's go with the law. The law, he is innocent until proven guilty, and he's not been proven guilty. He's an innocent man, right? And ultimately, the NFL, for them to go above uh, nine to ten games, that would be ridiculous because that's not even consistent with what they did in the past with dudes who actually were convicted and 100% proven guilty. It would not be consistent with that. Now, do I think that Deshaun Watson ha could have a crazy comeback? Yes. But what I would have recommended he did and what he didn't do was um, I would have recommended he settled with these women a long time ago. Now, settling means 
paying them and coming to an agreement. Hey, if you pay, if I pay you this amount, you won't ever talk about it. That's usually how settlements work. Now, pay settlements can be seen as a admission of guilt. You know what I'm saying? Meaning like you're admitting you're wrong, but it can also be seen as handling a disaster, a crisis, right? Uh, a, a lot of people settle in court. You know what I'm saying? If you think about, you know, divorce, divorce, divorces are literally settlements where you divide up assets with your ex-wife or ex-husband, right? Does that mean that you hate your ex-wife or ex-husband? No, usually it does. <laughs> I'll be real. But you come to a settlement agreement on both parties, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to take it all the way up to civil court where things can get nasty and things can get revealed that were not revealed before. Let me give you an example. Uh, O.J. Simpson. He was not proven guilty in criminal court for killing uh, Nicole Smith and um, Ron Ron Perlman, I believe, or Ron. Uh, I'm forgetting the last name. You feel me? But he was found guilty in criminal in civil court. You know what I'm saying? So he had to because he didn't uh, come to a settlement with uh, the family of the Ron Perlman and Nicole Simpson. Uh, he had to pay the, their estate. He had to pay them back. Uh, amount of money right uh and i think to this day he's still paying them back which is kind of wild to think about but it is what it is right so deshaun watson settling avoids him going to more court avoids him to have a bigger pr disaster public relations disaster and i salute that i think that he should do that not only for the sake of his career but the sake of the league the sake of the Cleveland Browns, and the sake of his sanity because he's been going through this for about almost two years. And I think also for the women involved too because winning a criminal sexual assault case is extremely hard. Winning it civilly is actually a lot better chances. That's why a lot of women don't report, you know what I'm saying, being uh, assaulted because it usually leads to nothing. It's he said, she said. You know what I'm saying? And at that point, you're putting the man's reputation online. Now, do I think a lot of men get destroyed in the court system, the law system? Yes. Is it extremely unfair? Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Ask any lawyer, they'll tell you the, the facts. Yes. But in order for Deshaun Watson to evolve and pimp past this situation, right? And just move past this, settle, 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 right? Now, without after leaving that dark topic, <laughs> let's talk about something on a more on a positive scale. Um, you know, I try to end these podcasts off with a little motivation, and today I want to motivate y'all about in this situation. It kind of it kind of fits into Deshaun Watson handling rejection, handling the no, right? Handling the no and being a person who looks past. Uh, the no and looks at the attempt more than the no let me tell you how something man in life you're gonna get here more no's than yes just prepare for that more people who will discourage you than people who encourage you more things negative than positive that's just human nature let's say you're like i'll, I'll f it you know i'll use myself an example right so for me i was at escapade i saw some girls that look good of course you know what i mean i'm a flirty guy you know what i mean so I come holler at them to, you know what I'm saying, say my little one-two Dougie, ah-ah-ah lyrics, you know, all these things, you know. A lot of them said no. A lot of them said no. But did I take it personal? Absolutely not. Did I ever feel some type of way? Absolutely not. 
I just gave him a smile and I waved and I said, have a blessed one. And I moved on with my life on to the next one. Some of them said yes and we had a good time. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to get into detail. But at the end of the day, you're going to hear more no's than yes. Does that mean that you stop your mission? Absolutely not. Does that mean that you quit doing what you want to do? Absolutely not. It actually should tell you that you're a winner for even doing the attempt. Let me tell y'all something, man. A lot of people were hating on Drake's album, right? Last week. Guess what the number one album in the in, in the country, in the world is actually right now? It's Drake's album. Why? Even if you take risks, guess what that makes you? A winner. When you take risks, you're a winner. Who's a loser? The dude who didn't release an album in five years? The dude who keeps on talking about releasing a mixtape ain't done nothing? That's a loser. The person who said, I'm going to find a girl, I'm going to go on a date this week and ain't talked to no girl ever? That's a loser. The dude who quits after speaking to two girls and saying, hey, uh, you know, I want to take you uh, That's a loser. Okay? The one who keeps on going for his or her goals, that's called a winner. Regardless if their attempt is the best or the worst. Now, look, is there ways to tweak things? Yes. Could Drake's album have been better? Absolutely. But he made an attempt to do something different. And a lot of rappers ain't doing that. <laughs> a lot of musicians ain't doing that. And that makes him a winner. And you are a loser because you're not willing to take a risk. You're not willing to handle a no or handle a negative comment because you're a lame. You know what we winners do? We make attempts. This podcast is an attempt. Will it blow up one day? I don't know. Also, I don't care if it does. Would I like it? Yes, I would love it. But I'm still going to make these attempts. And this is why you guys are lame and losers because you don't make that attempt. You don't want to risk. You don't want to put yourself on the line. Why? Because you're weak and you're scared. Oh, I hope you're not. The people who are still listening to this pod at this time, you are not. The losers I was talking about, those are the losers. They can't even make it this far. But for you, wonderful, amazing individuals that made it to the very end of the pod, I appreciate you. I love you. I respect you. You give this podcast five stars because you're a champion. You're a winner like me, Big Baby J. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. Appreciate y'all. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Let go.